Okay, well, this is, uh, why don't you stand right here, James, grateful for you to, to be here. First of all, I want to thank you, Miguel, for taking all the time in those videos. That was uh, really great. Just great. That's going to go in the archive. Yeah. Those are going to go in the archive, so. Good. All right, good. Great, thanks. Um, so we have a special guest with us to share the sermon today, and uh, this story goes back to what you just heard in Oakland uh, in the mid-90s, early 90s. The church was struggling in Oakland. The free church had uh, just a handful of people, I think, at the time, and um, they decided to take a chance and call this young pastor uh, who was just graduating from seminary and to bring him out. And uh, this is the man standing right before you here, James Peterson. And James came with his wife, uh, Jennifer, and their family, and they began to minister in Oakland. And uh, God blessed. God worked through that ministry, and the church grew. And so many of the people who became the core team of Solano Community yeah. Church came during the ministry of James Peterson uh, in the church and, and the work that was God, God was doing there. So as uh, the, the next pastor who came after James was named Dan Lull, he calls James the grandfather of Solano Community mm. Church. So you don't look, I guess you are a grandfather, but you don't look like, you know, a grandfather. Thank you. So just honoring you there. Thank you. <laughs> you were like 12 when you started yeah, in right. Oakland, right? Yeah. So it's good. So a few other things. So now uh, James works with the Free Church nationally, and he is... Uh, the personnel director for the six for 600 missionaries all across the world. So he's pastoring. Uh, he spent another 15 year stint after Oakland as senior pastor, uh, and so um, they have. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to read this to get all the details exactly of five the kids. kids. Five kids and four daughters-in-law and two grandchildren, yeah. with more on the way apparently. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations. And in his spare time, James is an artist, and Jennifer is a beekeeper. Yeah. So. That's interesting, yeah. but we're so grateful for you, you to be with us. Thank you so much, Let me Andrew. pray. Do you want me to pray? Yeah, Do you want to please. Pray? All right, God, thanks for James. Thank you for the time we have uh, together. Thank you for all these worlds colliding here in this room today, uh, the Oakland Church and, and beyond. And we're so grateful uh, for what you're going to do uh, in uh, both uh, this community moving forward, but also we pray for all those people on the mission field that uh, James and Jennifer have uh, such an opportunity traveling hundreds of thousands of miles to visit and encourage them. Would you be with them each and every step of that way and that journey mm. to, to work through them as you already have in so many wonderful ways? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Andrew. It is a blessing and a privilege to be here today. And uh, I never knew I had so many spiritual grandchildren, but what a blessing. What a blessing. Uh, in 1991, on my first Sunday, it was, it was a Labor Day Sunday, and uh, at the Evangelical Free Church of Oakland, we had 28 people. I remember the number. And uh, I asked my wife the next Sunday, do you think anyone will come back? Do you think anyone will come back? And she said, I'll be there. I'll be there. And uh, I was grateful for that. But, you know, in our, in, our room, in our room this morning, there are four people that were at that service that Sunday. And uh, I, 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 I'm just going to have Dave and Joanne and Doug and Nancy, would you stand? Yes, you have to stand. I'm pointing at you. Just stand. These were four people that had, had the faith and the courage to call a young pastor out of seminary. Thank you. 
And Joanne, Joanne's mom grew up in the church, and her parents started the church. And so there's some rich history today and a lot of intersecting stories today. God is faithful. And he's faithful in accomplishing the mission of Jesus. I hear occasionally uh, words like the church is in decline in America. I'll occasionally hear uh, or read something that says, you know, the glory days of the church are gone. I'm not sure what the glory days were because I think we got like 2,000 years of history of glory days of the church. But, but I'll hear occasionally that, that, that things are not so good for the church in the United States. And, and uh, I'll say, yes, yeah, some churches are struggling. Some groups of churches are struggling for sure. You know, that, that's a reality. But I have a window as I travel now. It's a small window because I'm just one person. It's a window, like an airplane window, and I can look through that window and I can see some stuff. And I want you to know wherever I travel in the United States and wherever I travel around the world, the church is not in decline. The church is continuing to grow and expand and grow and expand. It might not look like it did 100 years ago or even 20 years ago, but the church is growing and expanding in all kinds of wonderful ways. And it brings me to Matthew 16, 18, which says, Jesus says, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. Amen. Jesus said, I will build my church. Not a facility, not, not a physical structure, not a political entity, not an organization, but a gathering of those who love God and those who love others. So much do they love God and others that they will engage their world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, both in word and in deed. Solano Community Church has been on mission with Jesus for 15 years. Followers and seekers alike in this room are part of that mission. And I pray that that mission continues till Jesus comes again. Jesus calls us to join him in that mission. He says, come and be with me on mission. We need to accomplish the mission. And as we accomplish, we will give testimony day after day, Sunday after Sunday, that God has been and will be faithful. Now, what does it take for each of us to be on mission? I want to look at one passage today in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I'm doing that in part because you as a congregation have been moving through the book of Acts. I believe you're up to Acts chapter 16. And I asked Andrew, could I just go back to the first chapter and dip in there a little bit to kind of remind people of the big picture of the book of Acts? Because the church in the book of Acts is growing and expanding. Growing and expanding. Say that with me. Growing and expanding. That's what's happening in the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 1 is like the thesis of the entire book of Acts. If you would, read it with me this morning. I believe it's on the screen. Yes, please join me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Not only is this a thesis, but it serves in in part as a table of contents for the whole book as we see the church birthed in Jerusalem and go into all of the world. The verse begins with but. The word but suggests that it's connected to the previous idea. 
and it's contrary to the previous idea, or it's in, in juxtaposition in some manner. And, and, and what we read there is the disciples are asking Jesus questions about the future. Jesus, tell us what's coming. Tell us how the world's going to end. They were asking questions. They were curious. And Jesus said, that stuff's not for you to know. You, you don't get to know everything. There's some stuff that's just for the Father, and, and, and I'm not going to tell you the answer to those questions. That stuff's not for you, but, but this is for you. What I'm about to say is something you must know and is something you must do. This other stuff, curiosity's great. You'll find out someday. But what I want you to know today is this. But, let's read it again. Read it boldly with me, boldly. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Out of this passage, I want to give you two words to remember this morning. The word power and the word story. Let's say those together. Power, story. Say it again. Power, story. The word power comes from um, the, the, the original language. It, it comes from the word dunamis. And, and as, we, as we look at this word power, we recognize that it, it refers in its day, in its context, to strength. Strength and might. It refers to the ability to do something. You have the power to do it. You have the ability to do it. And, and we're, we're told here that this power comes from the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And as we know in the story of Acts, it's the next chapter, that the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church and that all who follow Jesus subsequently receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of faith. The power doesn't come from ourselves. The power doesn't trickle down from a human leader. No matter how wonderful our pastors and elders might be, that power that is being talked about here doesn't come from them. The power doesn't come from having a lot of resources. The power comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and this power was promised to us by Jesus himself. Power. It's the ability to do what we've been called to do. Back in 1982, um, I was uh, just finishing my first year of college, and uh, I had an opportunity to apply for a job at my former high school. And uh, I applied, I got the job, and it was a grounds crew job. I would be the individual responsible for taking care of all the sports fields and all the, all the lawns of the high school. And it was a dream job. I, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. I like to think, I like to be in my head. I got to, you know, cut lawn all day, eight hours a day after a full year of my first year of college. This was a dream job for me. I could just think all day long and be alone all day long. And, and the first day, my boss took me for a tour of the grounds. His name was Bob. We walked out to the front of the school where the bushes and needed to be manicured and trimmed in the lawns. And he, he just walked me all. And then we got back to the sports soccer fields, the baseball diamonds, the football fields, the interior of the track. Okay, you can picture a high school, right? And all of these lawns that had to be taken care of. And, and, he, and he said to me, do you understand the job? Do you understand this is all yours to take care of? He said, I, I don't want to have to remind you of stuff. I don't want to have to micromanage you. I just want you to know this is the job. I am giving you this mission for the summer to take care of the lawn and the sports field. 
I said, I got it. Now, at that point, had Bob walked away, I would have been in serious trouble because I would have been someone standing in the middle of a field of grass with no power, with no ability. But he didn't walk away. He said, last stop on the tour. And he took me to this two-car garage shed thing made of metal in the back of the school. I'd seen it when I was in high school, but I never knew what it was for. I never knew what was in it. And, and he opened that garage door, that kind of metally sound going up, and it went up. And there before me were three riding lawnmowers, different sizes, and push mowers, and weed whips, and hoes, and shovels, and wheelbarrows. And he said, this is what I want you to use to take care of all of this, your mission. See, Bob gave me a mission, which became my mission. And then he gave me what I needed to carry out the mission. Bob gave me power. This is not unlike what Jesus is, is, is saying to us here. I, I'm giving you a mission. There is something you are going to do, and I am going to send the Holy Spirit upon you so that you will have the power you need to carry out the mission. That is, you will be able to do what God calls you to do. This is the very presence of God in our lives, the empowering presence of God in our lives. Let's take a look at this statement. The ability to accomplish the task that you are given comes from the Holy Spirit who lives within every follower of Jesus Christ. This is how I want you to understand this word power, not only this morning, but as you move forward as a church. God is empowering you. That means he's giving you the ability to do what he asks you to do, whether that's an individual in the room or the community of faith called Solano Community. He is giving you that ability, the power of living a life that's pleasing to God. The power of being the kind of parent God calls you to be. The power to be the friend that God wants you to be. The power to be the employee or the employer that God wants you to be. The power to be the kind of neighbor that God wants you to be. These things come from God by the way of his Holy Spirit in our lives. The power of God gives us the ability to do what he has called us to do. And, and as before I move on to the next word... Let me just say that this power, this ability, is something that we need to steward in the way we live our lives. Because as you look through the New Testament, there are places that tell us that, that because of sin, we can actually resist the Holy Spirit, Acts 7.51. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 3.20, or 4.30, excuse me. We can quench the Holy Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. We can insult the Holy Spirit, Hebrews 10, 29. And when we do these things through sin, the power is diminished. The ability is diminished. We, 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 we pour water on the fire of God at work in us. But instead, we are called to stir up the Spirit and in the book of Acts, Acts 4.31, we see that prayer stirs up the Spirit. We see that God's Word in Acts 10.44 stirs up the Holy Spirit. We see that obedience in Acts 5.32 stirs up the Holy Spirit. And we see in Acts 13.1-3 that worship 
together as a community of faith, stirs up the Holy Spirit. Do you remember Acts 13? They're praying and worshiping together and fasting, and the Holy Spirit says, set apart Paul and Barnabas. And the whole mission into the world really gets launched there. They were worshiping God, and the Spirit was stirred. That's why the discipline of community, week-to-week community, small groups, large groups, worshiping together, hearing the word together, praying together, living in obedience together, unleashes and stirs up the Holy Spirit in our midst. It enhances the, actually the power that's available to us so that we have the ability to do what God has called us to do, not in and of ourselves, but by his spirit within us. So the word is power. Say it with me, power. Second word, story. Say it with me, story. The Greek word for witness is martyreo. It comes in the English to mean martyr, which is someone who dies for their faith, dies for what they believe. But if you go back to the original use of the word martyr, Martyr simply meant witness, and that's the word that's most commonly used to translate it, witness. And it was a legal term in Jesus' day. It was used in the courts, not unlike we use it in our day. You can all think of the witness stand or a person who is a witness at a trial. There's the accused, a judge, a jury, a prosecutor, a defense lawyer, okay, and the witnesses are called to Uh, stand and give witness, stand and they're asked this question, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Most most places we still are saying that, but but you understand that, that, that picture, that vision of the witness in the witness box, tell the truth, right? That's, that's the picture here. And one of the lawyers will approach the witness and they'll say, sometimes an invitation, tell us what happens on the evening of such and such. And and the witness will begin to speak. And at that point, the witness is really telling a story. I was there for this reason. I was sitting there. I was looking out that window. I saw this car come. This happened next. They're telling a story. So, So a witness isn't just someone who recounts facts. A witness is someone who's telling a story, a story that they have personally experienced. It's their story. That's why they're on the witness stand. What happened to you? What did you see? What did you hear? What did you do? Every follower of Jesus who tells a story of God's work in his or her life is a witness. Here's the truth I'm trying to capture here. Witness tells a story. And any follower of Jesus who tells a story about what God has done in their life is a witness. So I have a question for you. Um, Do you know God's story and do you know your story and how it intersected with God's story? And if you do and you tell people that's the story, right? It's, It's God's story plus my story that I tell to you. And you do the same. So, so do you know God's story? Do you know the content of it? I mean, there's some verses that we hold up that capture this content, and they're wonderful verses. Like a verse like John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is God's story, his love for us, the fact that we were perishing. Jesus came, died, was buried, rose again, and promises to come again. 
but first sending his spirit of power upon us. I mean, this is the story of God. Do you know the story? Even in the most basic sense. And then the next question is, do you have a story? Right? What is, what is your story about that story and your story connecting? If I said to you, um, how long have you been a follower of Christ? Some of you might say, oh, it was on this date in this place at this time. And that would be fantastic. Some of you might say, you know, I don't know the exact date, but there was a season in my life when I went through this process and I began to understand and, and, and I, I, I wasn't a Christian and then I was a Christian. It was like three months and it was just, I was searching and all of a sudden God had revealed himself to me and understood. Okay, there's different kinds of stories. There's pinpoint time, there's three months. But, but, but here's the answers that don't count. Oh, I've always been a Christian. So that, that one doesn't work. I hear that one a lot in the Midwest. Okay, I don't know if you hear that one on the West Coast or not, but in the Midwest, it's, oh, I've always been a Christian. I've, I've always believed. I'm like, no, no, what, what's the story? I, I don't have a story. I've just always been a Christian. Or, I'm like, no, no, you can't, that doesn't work because my wife and I have been married, we'll be married 35 years this August, coming August. And yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, honey. Um, 35 years, and if you asked me afterwards, hey, how did you and your wife meet? And I said, I'm not sure. <laughs> That'd be weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> how many years did you say you were married, or how many years have you been married? We've always been married. <laughs> right, doesn't work. Because every real relationship, every meaningful relationship has a story about where it started. Occasionally, occasionally, I'll be with a friend, I'll say, when did we first meet? And a good friend, 30 years, and I'm like, I don't remember our first meeting, but I know it was around this time, and this, remember the first time we went out? And Okay, you, you'll, you'll have a story of some kind. Maybe not the first meeting, but yeah, as the relationship developed. This is what's expected for a follower of Jesus, that they have a story. How did I meet Jesus? What was going on in my life? What was the deep need that I felt? Who did God bring into my life to share that story with me? Uh, his God's story, and then they shared their story, and then that intersected with my story, and all of a sudden now I have a story. When did that happen, and how did it happen? And if you don't have a story, I might suggest that you're still seeking. You're still seeking. This is a great place to be seeking, Solano Community Church. Keep seeking. Engage your leaders, engage your pastors. Let them help you understand these stories so it connects with your story, and you can be part of this bigger story. Because the book of Acts is about power and story. God is giving his church, each one of us, the ability to do what he's asked us to do, and then he's sending us out to tell a story. His story and our story. And he has us do that right where we are. And then he has us do it wherever he sends us, okay? So right where you are right now, where you live, your address in the area, wherever that might be, you have the ability to tell a story right there. And you have the ability to tell a story tomorrow wherever God sends you. So let's read Acts 1-8 again together, just to reaffirm what we've been saying here. Let's read it together. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the last statement on the screen that I want you to take a look at is this. Why don't we go there? Yeah, begin where you are and go where God leads, okay? I think it's a simple idea from the book of Acts. If you look at the big meta-narrative, the story of Acts, begin where you are, begin where you are, and go where God leads. Say that with me. Begin where you are and go where God leads. Where were they? They were in Jerusalem. And then he led them to Jesus, Samaria, initially through persecution, if you recall the, the story of Acts. And then, and then he led them into all the world through Antioch in Acts chapter 13. And, and, and there's this sense in which we are where we are, and, that's, and God asks us to do something here, but sometimes he asks us to go somewhere else. We heard those stories today, people who were part of the launch of this church, but then God called them to use those similar gifts and same passions in another church to help the next church go. Most of us usually are in one place for our whole life. That happens. There's nothing wrong with that. God uses you where you are today. But recognize, he may ask you to go somewhere else tomorrow. And then you have to say, am I open to that? Am I willing to be part of God's story beyond what I thought my story was going to be? Some of you might be part of a of a grow and expand moment in the life of this church. Some of you might be asked by God to become a, a pastor and go get some training and do what I've been doing and do what Andrew's been doing in, in, in shepherding a flock. Some of you might be called to actually go to another country and to learn another language and culture, to take the gospel where there is no gospel witness at this time. In fact, I have a, I have a book with me today. It has all of the teams that are available to folks all around the world that I oversee, and it's a tremendous group of people. You might want to pick one of these up on the table out in the lobby and just read through it, pray through it, and ask God, is there something in here that I need to do? Is there some place that you would have me go to be open to that? What is God doing in your heart and in your life? Let me close with this, just this last picture. Um, this is one of the first membership classes It's one of the first membership classes at the Evangelical Free Church of Oakland. Remember I said to my wife, is anyone going to come? Is anyone going to come next week? <laughs> she said, I'll be there. But you know what? Doug and Nancy and Dave and Joanne, they were there too. It wasn't just my wife. They came back. And then some more people came back. A lot of the people that were up here earlier came. <laughs> like they came. I know these people. And these people, you know, Ben and Michelle, in the front row here, they're in the back row here. What a blessing you were and are. The people in this picture are a snapshot in time of God's stories of all of these people. And they intersected my story. And they're actually intersecting your story as well. I'm curious, I know some friends have come from the Evangelical Preachers of Oakland during my season there, um, the season that received Andrew. It didn't have, you didn't have to be there when Andrew came, but you were part of this, this thing that God did in that church. If you're here today, would you just stand for just a moment? Come on, be brave. Hernandez, oh, greenhouses, stewards. Okay, I just want you, Howard, just look at the folks around the room, these folks that are standing. And, and then I want you, the folks that are standing just to look at me. 
just stay standing if you're from Oakland, from the Evangelical Free Church of Oakland. Okay, you're, you're looking at me, and I, what I want to tell you is we are all grandparents of this church. Each and every one of you. We're part of this church being born because you were willing to listen to God. You were willing to receive his power and to tell the story and, and to do that where you were and then to do it where you weren't and to go places and do things that you never had on your calendar, but you did them because God led you to do them. And now as a result, there's a church right here today. You guys, can, would you just say thank you to those folks who are standing? Because without them, this wouldn't have happened. You can be so so as, you, as you move forward as a congregation, I just want you to be thinking power and story, power and story, power and story. What, what, is, what is God asking me to do? And if he's asking me to do it, I have the ability to do it because I've received his power. And then the story, what is his story? What is my story? And it's not only the story of when you first met Jesus Christ, but it's the story of what happened this morning when you sat down with Jesus Christ again. Okay, the story keeps being developed and told over time. And, and I invite you to live with power and story in your life. And as Andrew comes, he comes actually to, to tell that story through the elements of communion, the story of what Jesus did for us. Brother. A little overwhelming to think how all the intersections of our relationships happen. And... It's sobering for us to consider the relationships we currently have and the potential impact for eternity that they potentially bear. That, that one part is amazing. And the other part is amazing is when we get to heaven and we celebrate the communion table there, we're going to get to see all those intersections and the lives and the paths that were crossed and how God worked through in ways that we didn't even dream of. We're, we're playing checkers, and God is playing chess. He is, he is accomplishing things we can hardly even begin to imagine. That's sobering to me. It makes me want to cherish each relationship, each person, each moment as sacred. I want to open the table. I want to invite you uh, into a couple of prayer requests as I do that also. Um, you'll note that Pastor Dante is not with us today, and last Sunday after the second service, he got word that his grandmother had passed on Sunday. Uh, this is like a mother to him, and so Pastor Dante is back in Atlanta leading that uh, memorial. Um, I also want to lift up uh, Ryan, our pastoral intern, who just found out this week that his father uh, just has days, uh, perhaps maybe, if God's grace, weeks to live. Um, as a result of cancer, uh, which has come back uh, just vehemently. So I'm going to invite you into prayer as we take communion for Ryan and Melody and Bob uh, and, and uh, to lift them up. This is a very uh, intense time. It's amazing that you're here with us. We're, we're grateful. We're going to keep praying for you. And then I want to lift up our brother Pablo, who the doctor said would not be with us today. But here he is. And I think I know why. <laughs> Because in his hospice room, Pablo has opened up an evangelism clinic. <laughs> and <laughs> he continues to tell his story. And people come. And they've even had to put a sign on the door to have people not stay too long. 
uh, because they're rotating through at such a rapid pace. And so uh, we praise God for you, Pablo. And I want to invite, I don't know, maybe there's five of you or so who feel the touch right now from the Holy Spirit as we're taking communion to come up and lay hands on Pablo and please pray for him um, during this time.